while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast Tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. You could tell by my froggy voice. Uh, of course, as always, Marcus Farrow is holding the fort down with us. And tonight we have some very special guests, Representative Chris Markey of Dartmouth and New Bedford and Senator Mark Montigny of New Bedford and uh, Dartmouth and Fairhaven and Mattapoisett. Um, and a cushion. Did you get all of them? I did. I did get all. Yeah. I feel like uh, anyway. So we're going to be talking tonight about, about a major issue that this radio station has been following for quite a while, which is the Title V. Um, changes to the law and, and, and what has been happening. So we'll make sure that uh, that Chris and the Senator lay it out for you, exactly what the terms are, what what they've seen happening, what got them to move so quickly, quite frankly. Um, Chris, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. All how right, are great. you? Good. Good. Senator, great. how are you doing? I'm well. I hope you guys weren't making sport of me in my absence, my physical absence. <laughs> we were. I am. I know you. Are. <laughs> it's not as fun when you're here, but so close. so um so just for just for uh, a a little bit of the the cliff notes of it, I think yes. is important. So basically, um, the DEP had convened some uh, clandestine committee to come up with these new regulations for septic in certain areas of the Commonwealth, to include Dartmouth and uh. uh all of the Cape, and it could affect other communities in the South Coast as well. And it was the the stated purpose was to um, basically to uh, keep nitrogen levels lower in the water. Um, and so they wanted to uh, they propose these regulations. But um, uh, Chris Markey, what were the issues with these regulations uh, that they were proposing? I think when you when you looked at the regulations, there. <clears throat> How they affected the people of the South Coast was more um, related to uh, nitrogen entering our estuaries through other mechanisms other than septics. And that's what we tried to reiterate with the DEP uh, through, I think, the massive hearings that Dartmouth did, uh, really orchestrated by Chris Michaud, who did a tremendous job. He really did in terms of public awareness and all that. He, he did a great job. And then, um, and then the work of uh, Senator Montigny and the the rest rest of the delegation and getting to the point of getting a letter up to DEP asking for um, these things to be halted or at least looked at, and trying to understand a little bit more uh, of what's going on. I think the big thing here is to to understand that. The Cape has been dealing with this issue for 30 years, and they were, they knew it was coming. They knew what was going on, and it was kind of prep work. And if you look at it, 
the Conservation Law Foundation brought a suit down there. And I think it was expected to be brought down there. And they knew what was going on, and they knew they needed to have something happen. The expansion of putting it into the South Coast was really where we objected to it. And I think that uh, the work of uh, Chris uh, in Dartmouth and a lot of the community members p- p- making uh, their opinions known really made the uh, the big difference in how how the EP handled it. So, um, Senator, how did the DEP uh, handle it? Well, they didn't handle it very well, in my opinion. And it's you know it's easy at times for those of us in a position like mine to point fingers and criticize the bureaucracy. I don't do that very lightly, but I do it deliciously when they deserve it. Um, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of really hardworking people that uh, are at times referred to as bureaucrats, sometimes in a derogatory manner, sometimes not. I mean, there is a definition for the word bureaucrat that is apt in some ways. In this case, uh, and in many cases, I find, you know, the DEP is a bit different than many of the state agencies that we deal with every day on work on behalf of our constituents. And that could be individual calls from constituents or it could be community-wide or or district-wide or region-wide issues that we face. Most of them uh, are responsive. I, I wish that I could tell you that they are always responsive prior to a representative or senator or a group writing a letter or a phone call or calling the governor. That is not always the case. In fact, today is a good example. I was running around New Bedford and met with constituents, and one of whom um, should never have had a problem with the issue that he called me on, and we were able to straighten it out. But you wonder why that is when the person that we, Chris Mackey and I and our um, fellow uh, or our colleagues are usually calling someone who's paid to actually do the job. So the DEP in this case, they are many uh, very bright people working there, have a responsibility to protect the environment, but they also have a responsibility to the taxpayers that fund the agencies to protect the environment. And I find that the DEP at times, although I respect and admire much of their work, and there are times, frankly, when I am called by a developer or a business person or a large company, um, and the problem that has been created was created by uh, their own fault or their own omissions, and frankly, they're on their own in this way. If, in fact, there is something that will degrade the environment, the people I represent more broadly than the constituent or or company calling, then uh, the last thing I want to do, uh, and I speak for you know us as a group also, is to intervene when the agency like the DEP is protecting the broader uh, environment, particularly from degradation. So this issue um, is not unimportant. The, the problems on the Cape are real but different. Eventually, without any question, the town of Dartmouth, and I also represent, as you mentioned, Chris, the towns of Mattapoisa, Cushnet, Fairhaven, uh, and, uh, of course, the city of New Bedford, um, there are absolutely problems that will have to be faced, and they should be faced appropriately given the soil uh, components, given the, the uh, uh, level of septic systems within the communities, and given the ability for the individuals or the town or or, or uh, uh, entity that is that is potentially applying for 
um, uh, the broader permit because these watershed permits that we haven't really discussed tonight, and I don't know that we need to, uh, will likely be an option down the road. But what we were disturbed by, to directly answer your question, Marcus, is uh, first the process. Um, I don't get hung up in process unless it's disrespectful to the people I represent. And this was, without question, disrespectful and lacked the kind of transparency uh, that we expect from a body, even if it is uh, a body that many times requires or, or, or an agency that many times requires an arm's length from elected officials. It's almost in some ways an adjudicatory body, right? Think about it. There's, they're, they're entering into um, agreements. Even in this case, we all believe, although no one has said it officially, I don't think, from the, the uh, department, but we all believe this actually came about because of a Conservation Law Foundation lawsuit that doesn't name any of the towns that we're talking about here tonight that Chris and I represent. So we were disturbed by the process, but also the arbitrariness of those decisions that seem to lump us in with towns that have a much more significant immediate problem. And as Chris Markey said, have been dealing with this for decades to get ready for this and have such a sensitive environment and uniqueness in their in their soil grading that they are they need to immediately address this we were somehow lumped into that and then to make it worse and where i think um i became most disturbed but even angry uh is the lack of um notice on public hearings the fact that the town of dartmouth had to demand uh a public records request? I mean, what are we even talking about when a community representative, Chris Michaud, who, as Chris Mackey mentioned, has done an awesome job. There's also been great uh, other partners like Dave Wonar and other selectmen in, in the towns. I can't say enough about the work of my colleague who's on this, this uh, um, show tonight, Chris Mackey. Many players were incensed about the way the community leaders who represent, remember, we're elected or appointed, but we are, in a sense, the proxy because, in my case, I represent 180,000 people. They all are not going to, uh, you know, demand uh, resolution except through their elected official or appointed official. And by the way, hundreds and hundreds, I think over 900 contributed remarks just from the public hearing process. So let me let me close this sec- this part of it by saying... We did not generate this energy. It came upwards from homeowners. And I said to Chris Markey today when we were speaking, um, we speak very frequently, there are very few issues where I get the kind of angry and concerned comments from people that I represent. And I knew, and I can always tell, I've been in long enough, I can tell when... um, there's going to be a major problem. And I just knew from the beginning when we started hearing the volume and the tone and the concern in the voice of, of people, whether it was, you know, a literal voice, because I received phone calls and personal um, uh, meetings where it came up, but also uh, in, in emails and letters and texts uh, across the region, deeply concerned with the process and the proposed regulations. So um, now that. Uh, you know, there's been public hearings. There's been uh, significant backlash from, like you said, the homeowners of Dartmouth who could have incurred a great deal of personal expense 
uh, from these proposed Title V septic regulations. Uh, Rep. Markey, what has the general discussions been from the Healy administration uh, on whether or not these are going to go forward? Generally, they're concerned about it. I think they, my conversations with um, Lieutenant Governor Driscoll's chief of staff in that crew uh, was they uh, they were concerned about it. They were aware of the input by the citizens. They were aware of Chris's efforts. Um, Chris Michaud. Chris Michaud's yeah. efforts and his uh, expertise in it and him really uh, understanding the, the ins and outs of it and looking and getting into the details. So they were aware of all that. I think they're concerned about the expansion of it and where it's located. I think what they want to try to do is focus on what they think is viable. And uh, when I say viable is what places already have an infrastructure ready to address this issue and where is it easiest to do that at this point for the general public. And I think when you look at it all, it's probably more likely that these things will be addressed more towards the Cape rather than on the south coast. And uh, actually, to that to that end, um, Senator, you had issued a press release, I believe, uh, on Friday. Friday. Yeah, on Friday, saying that you'd spoken, you know, with your conversations with the Healy administration, you um, you have confidence, or you have confidence that they will not go forward with these um, proposed regulations. Well, so first, I, I should mention this: if it were not for the uh, outcry from communities and the local leaders in towns, uh, particularly Chris, uh, but also others who have been really effective in getting them, their voices heard, but also in getting the public engaged. I mean, look, we get paid to engage on behalf of the public, but there are times when things really need to bubble up from, from the uh, communities. And in this case, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that clearly uh, was what happened. And again, it was mostly in frustration and even anger, which, again, not words I use lightly. Uh, it's one thing to be passionate um, and engaged. It's another when you can get the feeling that people are truly concerned that they may not be able to stay in their home. I mean, the estimate on these things, even if you could find the people to do it in the volume that would be required if we were in this initial batch uh, is, is, you know, it could be $35,000 for the upgrades. I spoke with a constituent today who had already gone through a $40,000 update a few years ago and would have to remove it and replace it, according to him. Now, I can't give you the details. I don't know what system he paid for and what might be uh, uh, proposed that he uh, felt that it would need to be removed. But the fact that there's that kind of fear uh, is real. And, uh we need to address it. So the reason why I decided to uh, speak about it publicly, which I normally won't do until there's something very specific to announce, and that would either be bad news, and here we are on the warpath at a different level, or good news, let's celebrate and go back and, you know, for a minute and then go back to our, our busy lives. In this case, my conversations, and remember that Chris and I and the other representatives, um, are paid not only to write policy and answer constituent requests, but we're also paid to effectively use our relationships to get things done or to learn information. One of the few benefits that, that uh, I might uh, uh, defend in terms of um, seniority uh, for those that uh, 
advocate term limits, et cetera. And even your conservative friend, Chris McCarthy, doesn't, Marcus. I want you to know that. I've heard him say that publicly. Uh, uh, term limits are terrible. One, and, and, and this is actually one example, although perhaps self-serving to somebody who's been around too long. I've Over the decades, I've hired... Um, you know, because of my Ways and Means chairmanship, it adds up to far more than it would have been if it were just, you know, you know as, a, as a local senator. So it's, it's you know, well over uh, 100, probably significantly more that I've hired over the years. And, and many of them have gone on to serve and still serve, including in the Healy administration, in significant roles. So there are people you can call on and say, tell me what's really going on. Tell me how concerned we should be or or give me some information. And the reason that information is very, very important, even if it's premature, is we have a deeply concerned community. I'll give you an example. Tomorrow, Chris Nisho is going on cable TV to update the community. My feeling is that if there's a very likely piece of good news or bad news, it's not up to me to withhold it. Although if you notice in my letter to the governor last week and my press release, I was more coy than I usually would be. Usually I would say great news or bad news. There isn't much gray. It's worth announcing. In this case, I felt strongly enough about the information and the people that I rely on for that information that it was worth coming out with an update tonight and and, uh, earlier on Friday for the simple reason that there's no sense getting a whole community ginned up and ready for the next um, chapter in the battle if we can in fact do what we've requested. And, and, just, and just to be clear, term. Senator, that update is that the Healy administration's unlikely to move forward with the regulations that would impact the people of Dartmouth. So I will let the Healy administration, when they're ready, announce it, but here's what I feel, and that's why I was comfortable. If you read the letter, I'm saying I appreciate the conversations that I feel very optimistic. That's right. That's a little bit short, and not my preferred uh, mode, but tough. I mean, this is a decision I made, and the decision is that it's worse to have a whole community on edge. Some some people, by the way, uh, deeply anxious about this. This is not sure. fooling around. These are older people, particularly, that are afraid they will lose their home over this issue. And it's not for me to announce, but it's for me to say, I feel, and I felt comfortable speaking to Chris Misho on Friday and saying, listen, I know you have an update coming, and I just want you to know you have my respect in however you choose to um, carry out that update. And it could be that you want to continue doing exactly what you're doing, going at um, full speed. I wouldn't fault you for that. But let me tell you that I feel very optimistic in my more recent discussions, and this is only in the last week or two, where I feel the Healy administration, they've not been in very long. They've quickly come up to speed on it. And, I, you know, it's not a fault of the Baker-Polito administration, who we work beautifully with on, on many of these things. But let's face it, when it's over, you have all you can handle, even if you could work 24 hours a day and you can't. You have all you, hand, you can just to handle the transition to leave and get the things done you need to do. So my feeling was that not that they weren't engaged, but perhaps they weren't engaged the same way they would be if they were coming in new or staying uh, for another term. And that's not a criticism. You, ha- you know I have absolutely no hesitation criticizing the DEP or other elected officials, particularly at the gubernatorial level. But let's give credit where it's due. I feel this administration is listening on this one. The letter is clear, though. It says 
eliminate South Coast from any imminent regulatory changes. We feel that that is what needs to be done. And I'm optimistic that they are getting it. So we're going to take this break, and we'll be back with Senator Montigny and Rep. Chris Markey here on South Coast Tonight. Download the W South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. And he's Chris, too. Everybody's Chris. So, and he's Mark. <laughs> no, uh, and, he, and he's Mark. So we're here uh, with... Um, we're here with Chris Markey, representative from Dartmouth, and uh, State Senator uh, Mark Montigny as well. So um, we we uh, we to, to sort of button up the last segment. We uh, talked about there's been an ongoing dialogue uh, between the people, the delegation of the state about the Title V septic regulations that were being considered by the DEP. There's been a robust period of public comment. There's been advocacy from our state delegation. And there's been um, a lot of uh, yeoman's work done by public health uh, director in, in town, um, uh, Chris Michaud, who, who's been on this program as well. And uh, you've had conversations with the Healy administration. Let them know your concern about these septic regulations that could cost uh, the taxpayers of Dartmouth uh, an incredible personal cost and might even be a situation in which their, home, their, you know, their, their ability to own a home is threatened. But... Um, Senator, you have learned from your conversations that uh, you're saying you're optimistic about the Healy administration not uh, not going forward with the regulation uh, with these regulations on the South Coast. Um, and Rep. Markey, you've had similar conversations with uh, Lieutenant Governor's Office, the Healy administration, to um, to uh, uh, to that same effect. Is that, is that yes. more or less correct? Uh, okay, Rep. Representative Markey. Um, I, I've learned a lot more about septic systems in this issue, as I'm, I'm sure both both of the uh, the elected officials have as well. One of the things you you, you pointed out to us uh, on the show a couple months ago now was that much of the nitrogen that ends up in the water isn't even coming from septic systems. It's coming from things like natural decay and things like that. Explain that a little bit. Sure. So one of the things that they've discovered is, I mean, uh, when we look at why we're here, one of the things is we obviously want clean water for Buzzards Bay, and one of the things that's happened over the last 30 years is the Buzzards Bay Coalition has developed into a great nonprofit or nonprofit that the government relies on to test the water, to, to give us a sense of what's going on. Right. All that testing is done in Dartmouth on all the estuaries, uh, the Slocum River, all the rivers that are going out to Buzzards Bay. So there's... There is data for that, mm-hmm. and that data that we have um, allows us to figure out where it's coming from and what's going on. Just like uh, we we heard in the 90s a lot about the Westport River, say the river in Westport. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of data as well, and one of the things that because of that data they've discovered is where it's coming from, and it's just from the decomposition of the wood, leaves, dirt along the riverbeds. That's one area where it's coming. And the other part is from... Other places like golf courses, sure. Uh, other places uh, from composting, commercial composting, which is uh, pretty prevalent right now in Dartmouth and Westport. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, in the nineties, a lot of it was coming from the, the cow pastures along the Westport River, right? And that's one of the reasons why you, you saw such high nitrogen readings back in the day. So we have this data that was really developed. A lot from the Buzzards Bay Coalition, but from DEP, and they should be credited for it. Sure. 
the question is, is why are we going to go after septics, which is approximately 14% of all nitrogen that's discharged, when we know that the composting of the along the riverbeds is 50%. And then we have commercial uh, composting within, and the other things that we can also control have a higher rate, such as the golf courses and the fertilizing on that, and then also the um, commercial composting. So we'd like to see those things put under control and some restraints on some of those things in a way in which uh, the land would be more prepared to handle that. Okay. Um, and make sure that that composting can occur in an area where there are safety concerns that are uh, for the nitrogen. And let's see how that goes, because that's a greater number percentage-wise than the septic systems. And it would affect less people. So we're speaking with um, uh, State Rep. Chris Markey from Dartmouth, State Senator Mark Montigny, who have been advocating um, uh, for uh, the, the homeowners in Dartmouth to not pay uh, to not pay an exorbitant amount of personal cost for new Title V septic regulations, uh, and it seems those endeavors have be uh, have um, been are likely to be successful. Um, so uh, I think you know before we button up this topic, is there anything you want to add to it, uh, Senator? Yeah, a couple of things just to, as a final update. So what has happened since the last time? that Chris and I were with you is a couple of things. First, the CLF and the Commonwealth agreed to stay their litigation until March 31st, and the DEPs actually requested of the court that they uh, have until uh, later, in, late in the spring. I think it's May 31st. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's I believe that's the date, um, to issue final regs. So it's clear that the parties are engaged in a settlement which will require uh, regulations, and none of us are denying that that shouldn't happen. One thing everybody should realize, I won't sing for you, but as the song goes, you know, don't pave paradise and put up a parking lot. That's not what Chris Markey and I and, the, and our partners in this are all about. In fact, if you were to call up to, to groups like the Buzzards Bay Coalition and ask them off the record where we stand on environmental issues and the support of their work. I'm willing to bet, and it's pretty tough for a politician to bet when somebody has the opportunity to speak off the record, but I'll bet either Chris McCarthy or uh, you, Marcus, that they will, Mark Rasmussen and, and, the, and that group, certainly won't say, well, the folks you had on that show are uh, just looking to, you know, the short-term cheap political victory. Because let's face it, if the South Coast towns are carved out, this is a major victory, not only for a brief homeowner and for the town officials it's a home run for chris mccarthy and me and paul schmidt and the others who worked on this so you would think if there are people in the environmental community who understand the this intimately they would suggest uh the opposite of what i'm about to say we are some of their biggest champions we fully recognize that this stuff is real but the way the dep came out the proposed regulations the lack of clarity on what Chris Markey just talked about, like what is the cause of this very real problem? How, how, you know, are we and all of the things that go into this? It's the demographics, it's the soil, it's the makeup of, uh, of, of development, on obviously the Cape, uh, you know, with its situation with the sole source aquifer has all kinds of unique environmental issues they've been dealing with for decades. They're ready to, uh, 
to work on this. And by the way, even if they were not, the CLF uh, certainly would not discontinue or ask for a stay of their litigation because this, I mean, they termed it an ecological crisis, I think was the, was the quote they used or the words they actually used. Um, our situation is different. I do feel that we can win this. On the other hand, we're not resting. The folks that are involved in this, whether it's homeowners or town officials or people like Chris and myself, will be vigilant until we see specifically uh, this carve out. And by the way, I'll close with this. I filed a bill that Chris and Paul Schmidt and others have co-sponsored, which is Senate Docket 856, which prohibits this burden to be put on the homeowners. And it also prohibits a town watershed permit without state help for the cost. In other words, uh, you know, a, no mandate without money. Now, that's not the way I prefer this to to end. I, I don't want to use the, the the legislative process as a as a, uh, a bully pulpit or billy club. But I it you is kind of a carrot and stick. You know, <laughs> and the carrot is work with us. The stick is if not, we'll do it for you. I mean, that's that's one of the options. So um, we're speaking with Senator Mark Montigny, State Rep. Chris Markey. Um, Marky, do you have any other no, I, further I just, comments there? The, the, the one thing I would add on to this is what Mark had spoke about earlier is the people at DEP have these incredible pressures from elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they have incredible pressures to get rid of uh, solid waste, food waste, and all of those things contribute to why we have commercial composting, why we have certain things, and, and they're trying to balance it all out. Um, I think that we've corrected a balance here. I think we're going to correct the balance here, and I think it will work out in the end for at least the people on the South Coast at this point, and we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, you know, good good point that Chris that Chris makes, and I'll, if I can, add to that. CLF also. So, so there have been times when I've battled on behalf of my district with CLF and or with DEP. Please understand, and I, I think... You all know me, and most of your listening audience knows that I will not, um, you know, uh, hold my words if if needed. There are folks in both these agencies that are super talented, super intelligent, and have only one agenda to protect the environment. There are times when we have to fight to push back on balance, and we may disagree on a singular issue or a group of issues, but don't ever mistake uh, that we don't feel very strongly that the bigger goals of CLF and of the staff at DEP are clearly protecting the most important thing that we have here. We have lots of great stuff here, but there's nothing that we celebrate more and that, that helps us thrive more than the environment. I mean, I guess that seems trivial and everybody would say that, but that's not the case. I mean, we are very lucky to live in such a beautiful place, but it's also a pretty sensitive environment and and just just to clarify clf you means you mean the conservation law foundation which is the the organization that sued the state which a lot of people believe was pressuring the state into implementing these regulations in the first place and and i'm one of and i'm one of those who believe that also so so and, and so i can say that i respect their work but still fight to see DEP recognize that even in their lawsuit, they don't name any of the towns that we're speaking about now. All right, we've got to take this break. We'll be right back. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Nonprofit. 
South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now, back to South Coast tonight. Hey, welcome back. So, we've got a very tight timeline here, but we're going to try to do a little roundtable thing with both the senator and the representative. Uh, gentlemen, there's um, a, um, a controversy that's been going on regarding the state peer here in New Bedford. Uh, the mayor has his position. The state legislative delegation has their position. Actually, there's a couple of positions probably within the legislative delegation alone. Um, can you give us uh, an in-date, uh, your insight, your updates, whatever it is, on the situation with the state peer? Start with Rep. Markey. Sure. So, I mean, my, my feeling on it is is I think that in 2018 there was an agreed-upon uh, way in which we could use the state pier where 20% of the pier would be used in the front portion for purposes of commercial and retail space. I think that's what we all agreed on. That's what we want to see happen. Um, and we want to see it in an open process and see who comes in. There's businesses that rely upon it. you got to remember that there are really only uh, four deep ports in Massachusetts. Okay. And they've been designated that. That's Brayton Point in Somerset, where they had the coal plant. Now, hopefully, they'll use some of the offshore wind, right. Salem, Boston, and New Bedford. We have a state pier there. We need to use it for water-dependent businesses. Uh, we spent and invested a lot of money and political capital to get a lot of money for refrigeration at the request of the city and economic development. Okay. Uh, we did that for years. We had uh, Clementines coming into the state pier. The longshoremen were able to work. Uh, we got it so that they could do it during the summer in the warmer months because that was a concern for the storage. We got that, and then really it has nothing has really happened since uh, from the state pier uh, bringing in the Clementines. I can tell you because I look out onto the pier from my office, and right. I've only seen one boat in the last three or four years. Um, I know that it was a great desire, and so we want to make sure that that works. We, we get some return on the investment that we put in. Um, so that's one thing. There's other businesses within the pier. There's also the Ernestina. I want to make sure that it's a viable place for real commercial retail businesses in addition to make sure that we are supporting our water-dependent, our essentially essential water-dependent businesses such as the oil places that are located, fuel places that are located there. Right. That the the one thing that I think everyone can agree on is is that the ferry to Nantucket into Martha's Vineyard has been great. People I see all the time crossing Route 18, going to the restaurants, yes, uh, going to the shops. It's an essential part of uh, how New Bedford will grow. And then we can take a look further at some of the fishing boats that use that. And then also the Ernestine is there. So having that mixed use is really important. But having a process that's open, that there's that everything is, we feel comfortable that it was done properly. And right now, when we have to send out a FOIA request to get information as a state legislature for a state peer to a quasi-state agency, is incredibly troubling. And, the, and I just want to clarify something, though. Your issue isn't as much with the proposal or the I, the concept of it as it is with the transparency. Of the process, yeah, definitely. I mean, we we the the problem is is that I want to see something grow there, and have and happen there, and everybody else does. There's no one who's trying to kibosh the thing or do anything to that that effect. What we want to do is make sure that the rules are followed, 
And when we ask for information on the RFP, we want to know that information. I think we're entitled to that information as a legislator to make sure everything's done right. Then yes, we don't get me, that. Let me jump in if I can. Sure. Um, so, I, and, you know, let me be very clear. And I think you all actually have the timeline and the history of, of my specific work on state peer redevelopment. So yeah. let me make it clear that, and, I, and I, let me say it unequivocally, and I never say it that way unless I have a very distinct paper trail, by the way, because it's wonderful how we as politicians debate and send press releases and file bills. But let me be very clear. The state peer, in almost every case, almost every piece of language since 2008 that even mentions the word mixed use was not only written by me and my office, but it was conferenceable and much of it was not in the House of Representatives. What does that mean? Well, it sounds like just Deacon Hill speak, but it's actually very important because it means you then pay twice the political capital because you have to get it through conference. Why is that relevant? Because I want to make it very clear because this gets lost in the noise. Not only am I in favor of the development, but my language created the mixed use concept and my language created the RFP. The 20% that Chris mentions uh, was a really difficult compromise. And, fr- and by the way, a compromise to my amendment, number 299 in the bond in 2018. So there is no uh, like air or space between us as a delegation when it comes to the need for transparency and the inappropriate process. That's very important in the, in, in, to maintain public integrity when you are getting ready to sign a lease for one of the most um, underproductive grand assets in the entire state. Like there's very little developable land sitting on a deep uh, water port surrounded by a hurricane barrier where you can do lots of neat things. So no one should mistake. In fact, it's gotten lost. This is not a city pier. The mixed use concept didn't come from the mayor or the city council or city planners or the Sasaki report. All of those reflected state Senate amendments that were passed through conference and signed by three different governors. So there, there may be a lot of people who want to see this happen. There is no one who wants it as much and who has spent as much political capital, not in hot air or press releases or filings or bills that went to study in law. And it needs to happen, but it should not happen the way it's been done. And if I sound a little edgy in my voice, it's because, again, given what I just stated, with a paper trail to back it up, there's no one who should have been more clearly consulted, in my opinion, than the delegation, because we are answerable back to our constituents for the state peer. City officials are not answerable to the state on the state peer. If the whole thing flops and implodes, it's those guys, right? Senator, I got, I got, I got to take this legislative delegation. I got to take this break. We'll be right back. WBSM app is everything. Closing up with uh, Senator Mark Montigny and uh, and State Rep Chris Markey. So, uh, looks like. Oh yeah, I got to answer the call. So it looks like again. Um, 
the 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 I think the big discussion point to take away from this is that the Healy administration, you two are both optimistic that the Healy Driscoll administration will uh, not implement those septic regulations here in the South Coast in Dartmouth, and uh, that is a good thing for the taxpayers of Dartmouth and homeowners in in Dartmouth. So yeah, I, I would say still hopeful, but hopefully optimistic. Like in other words, to me, I want to see the final regs, but my discussions. Um, and I can't speak for Chris, but I know he agrees with his discussions, have been very favorable. They're tuned in. They understand the nuances and the deep differences between the Cape and the surrounding towns. By the way, just last point on State Pier, I'll come in when we can have more time. You guys kind of do that.